0: Welcome to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment, sponsored by Tech Help Boston.
1: I'm a big believer in role models. They not only show us how they got to where they are today, they tell us about the roadblocks they encountered along the way. They offer advice and guidance simply because it's the right thing to do. Throughout the month of October, we're featuring women who are breast cancer survivors, as well as women who are at the forefront of treatment of this disease. Now, There was a time when the physician you are about to meet faced a health care crisis of her own. Diagnosed with breast cancer in her 30s with three small children at home, she found herself on the other side of medicine, as patient, not physician. But it's very hard to take the physician out of the patient, isn't it? Her story from surgery through radiation, chemo, and recovery is not unlike any other woman's brave battle with this disease, except for one thing. This doctor specializes in rehabilitation. And when she heard the words, you're okay now, you can go home and live your life, she was overwhelmed, exhausted, depleted from fighting breast cancer so hard. Julie recognized that she needed to use her knowledge as a respected authority in the field of physical medicine and rehabilitation to blaze her own trail that would improve care and outcomes for people recovering from all different kinds of cancers. The author of the book, Before and After Cancer Treatment, she is passionate about women's leadership in the healthcare field, and she's passing on what she knows every single day as associate professor and associate chair in the Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation at Harvard Medical School. Please welcome Dr. Julie Silver. You know, the first time we had a chance to meet, you told me at an event that I had produced years ago called the Exceptional Women Awards that you sat there in that audience with a bald head exhausted from chemo and radiation. You were looking for inspiration and strength and courage that day. How did you get through that dark period in your life? Take us back to that.
2: I was diagnosed with cancer in my 30s. It was a two year delay in my diagnosis and I don't think anyone did anything wrong per se, but I knew something was wrong before the imaging tests and so on showed them. So I underwent three different workups. And by the time I was finally diagnosed, I obviously was not at the earliest possible stage, which of course I would have preferred to be with three little kids at home. How old were the kids then? Oh, one was in diapers. You know, they were in little, little people, very little people, and it was, it was High maintenance,
1: very little people, right?
2: Exactly, and that's its own experience, trying to change diapers while going through chemotherapy and, and doing because all that. Because their lives keep going on. And Absolutely. they don't understand that mommy's sick. And I remember after that when you interviewed me, Candy, you asked me this question. You said, what was what? your darkest hour? And I said, where do I start? There were so many dark hours and dark times. It was so much darkness it really brings us back to that point of how do you pull yourself out of that when you're done with treatment and the doctor tells you congratulations you graduated you
1: finished and and yet as i said in my introduction there was no after breast cancer treatment right and recovery plan so you created one please talk about that
2: well i'm a rehab physician as i went through treatment i kept anticipating that i would get rehabilitation i mean after all we provide rehabilitation for people with ankle sprains um, and car accidents and all kinds of things and so of course i was thinking well now i'm going to be getting rehabilitation now they're going to refer me because they they can see that i'm in pain that i have a lot of musculoskeletal problems from the different surgeries and treatments and so on But I wasn't offered any and I remember on my last chemotherapy, I asked my doctor, what do I do now? He was a wonderful oncologist and he said, you know, go home and try to heal. And I thought, oh my goodness, if I'm a rehab doctor and at least I know how to do it, even though I was so sick and so much pain, so tired, so overwhelmed, it was very hard for me to do. What do you do if you're not a rehab doctor? How do you make that happen? That's really where my work in cancer rehabilitation evolved and I became very passionate about helping people heal from cancer treatment.
1: Let's take a snapshot of a woman who has just undergone a mastectomy, chemotherapy, radiation therapy, and she's completed all those cycles. What is her body like? Describe that.
2: In that situation with someone, you know, it depends on what kind of treatment they undergo because there's, you know, lumpectomy and mastectomies, and there's radiation treatment, tamoxifen, and all these chemotherapy. So Which really... some people don't respond well to. Exactly, and it, it, so there's all these different treatments, and the thing that's really crazy about them is that they're given concurrently or simultaneously. So you're done with one, and boom, another hits you, and then another, and so on. And any one of those treatments you would typically, you know, for the for the types of side effects and so on, you would get rehabilitation. But I remember I was talking to a reporter one time and they asked me why would a woman need rehabilitation and I started to describe one of the surgeries and she said, "Please stop, I'm getting nauseous." <laughs>
1: I thought, "Yes, it is. It's a, it's, you know, very invasive. It's very difficult treatment." So you go through it. It's almost like putting yourself through the eye of a needle. You're exhausted, you're debilitated, you're depressed in many ways. You write the book and it becomes a Bible mm-hmm. for women around the world. Right. How does that feel for you? Women must come over to you all the time and say thank you. I think for me, and you left out one of the things that, you're,
2: that you are, which is grieving. So a lot of grieving the loss, right? Grieving the loss, the loss of not having to worry so much about mortality until many years from now I didn't want to have to worry so much about mortality so early in my life I became very legacy driven at such a young age, you know people always ask me like why do you do what you do? And I said because I wasn't sure I would survive like I became an 80 year old person when I was in my
1: 30s I think that's wisdom. I call that wisdom (laughs) You know, wisdom is recognizing a mistake before you make it again, but it's also walking in those shoes Mm -hmm. changes you. Yes. I've interviewed so many women who are breast cancer survivors, and they say that breast cancer changes you from the inside out. And Mm -hmm. what you just said to me speaks to that, too, doesn't it? It really does. It does. It, it, It can't help but change you, and
2: fortunately, Over time, I don't think about cancer all the time like I did then, which is great because there is a lot of healing that goes on in your psychologically and cognitively as well as physically. The thing is, it does change you. There's no doubt about
1: it, and that stays with you. One out of three women will experience some kind of cancer in her lifetime. Huge strides have been made in treatment. Right. We're saving lives, women are yeah. living longer, but there is no focus on rehabilitation, and there's such a huge need for it. Talk about that.
2: Well, most people who are diagnosed with cancer um, will survive, and that's really excellent that's such great news it depends on the type of cancer of course but we have really gotten much better at saving people's lives and many people will live with cancers or chronic condition and so they'll require treatments for the rest of their lives but others uh, will be done with treatment at some point all of those things cause problems for people that we call impairments impairment driven cancer rehabilitation so they might have rotator cuff problems they might roll over on their frozen shoulder at night and think oh my goodness pain it woke me up and my cancer must be back when really it's just a musculoskeletal problem that we should be treating so they go to their doctor and they want a metastatic workup and they're you know afraid that something terrible is happening and it's not most people need cancer rehabilitation, just like most people that have had a stroke, or most people that have had a
1: serious car accident. I'm hearing a lot about social determinants of health. We need to look at the whole person as we treat them. Can you talk a little bit about this?
2: I think that the social determinants of health are a really important part, and I'm sure that all of you are thinking about this in your various jobs and what you do and so on. Who we are, where we live, where we work, the different advantages that we have or disadvantages that we have, all can play a role in how healthy we are and how we recover from serious injury or illness. This is something that I focus on certainly a lot in my work, but I think everyone in, in my department at Harvard Medical School and everyone at Spaulding Rehabilitation Hospital, and I think
1: everyone in this room and and your listeners are probably focusing on that as well. Women's leadership within the healthcare fields has become a high priority for you and for your research. We've come a long way, baby, but there are still barriers for women. You call them closed gates. What have you discovered in your research, Julie?
0: Please support our sponsors. They make this show possible. More than 30,000 families and businesses have trusted TechHelpBoston.com since the year 2000. Dave Elmazian, president of Tech Help Boston, with the reasons why. It's really about forging a relationship and having a trusting relationship because your technology is very personal to you. It used to be in the old days that things were private. When you're online, nothing is private anymore. And we want to make sure that that information is kept confidential and with somebody that you trust and you feel comfortable with. You can trust Tech Help Boston to keep your computer and systems running right. Call 781-484-1265 or visit TechHelpBoston.com. That's TechHelpBoston.com.
2: advanced in my career I became the associate chair of my department at Harvard Medical School and there's more than a hundred faculty in my department most of whom come from one or more underrepresented groups so there's a lot of women LGBTQ ethnic and racial minorities and so on. As I started working with different people, I realized that there are opportunities that are not always open to people from underrepresented groups. And the easiest group to study actually is women because we can do things like look at how many recognition awards they get and we, you know, there's lists that are posted online or published. It's easier to study those folks. So I started looking at that. And I realized that if I'm going to mentor, for example, a woman, and I see a zero, and I tell her, here, you can do this, but zero women have done it before you, that's kind of like mentoring against a closed gate. I mean, is she really going to be able to do that? And how hard should I push her? Should I ask her to take time away from her children, her partner, her work, and her patients in order to accomplish a goal for which there's very little possibility that she'll be successful? So I started thinking about, Really, the ethical issues behind that, like how could I be ethical and tell her to do this if the numbers say it's not possible? That's pretty staggering. Talk to me about hashtag beethical. As I started publishing research on gender equity, workforce gender equity, because the healthcare system, you know, we have so much burnout among among the entire workforce, but particularly women. As I started doing this research and I started working with all these other women, I realized. We're doing sort of grassroots, trying to lift people up. And really, if there was a top-down approach, if we looked at the research and we saw all these studies that have been published, and we really focused attention on this and tried to solve these problems. I mean, after all, healthcare workforce, we have the smartest people in the world in our workforce. I mean, we could solve these problems if we wanted to. We are so we can cure cancer we can solve workforce disparities. <laughs> I mean, really, we can. So that's really where the idea of the Be Ethical campaign came in, and it's affiliated with the Harvard Women's Leadership course that I direct. And we just pulled together the research. We want you to really be ethical leaders, and here's a six-step strategy that's scientific to look at them, and here's these metrics. So use data analytics
1: and get it done. So if people in this audience want to find out more about that, How can they? We put the white paper that we created on the
2: SheLeadsHealthcare.com website. SheLeadsHealthcare.com. SheLeadsHealthcare.com, and we just want people to disseminate it and tell leaders and step up and look in the mirror and say, here is a strategy and here's the metrics and we can get this done, we can cure cancer and we can solve workforce healthcare disparities and those will
1: help solve patient disparities. I wanna talk about a happy subject for one quick second, not that that's not inspiring, but I wanna talk about your children. Can you give us an update on how they're doing? My kids have grown up, My son is in medical school at
2: Vanderbilt University, and he is getting an MD-PhD, so he will be a physician scientist, and I'm really proud of him. He's starting his clinical rotations, which is so exciting. My daughter, my middle child, she just started an integrative neuroscience PhD program at the University of Chicago, so she is doing fantastic work. And my baby, who was in diapers at the time, just started as a freshman at George Washington University, and she is wanting to be a journalist.
1: Dr. Silver, what is your message for young women in healthcare? My message to young women in healthcare
2: is really the same message that it is to young men in healthcare work hard, you really care about what you're doing, focus not only on your work but also on your family because you need that support throughout yeah. your life. Yeah. Connect with your colleagues and really be passionate about supporting them. Give everyone grace, because we all make mistakes. We can't be perfect. We must give each other grace. And then be ethical. Do what's
1: right. You know what's right, do what's right. You faced a terrible diagnosis and you lived to tell about it. And I'm so glad you're here, you're healthy and strong. But when you think about it, that breast cancer diagnosis changed the trajectory of your career. So I'm gonna guess that there have been many lessons for you along the way, maybe some hard lessons. Can you share one or two?
2: One of the lessons that I talk to cancer survivors about is when you're diagnosed with cancer, most people are not diagnosed at the earliest possible stage. And they so wish they were. And so they spend so much time looking back and regretting instead of looking forward and saying, wow, look at all those cancer survivors. The cancer was not caught at the earliest possible stage. And look at how well they're doing. Look at their leading productive lives and so on. I stopped answering the question about stage. If anybody asks me about stage, I will not tell them what stage I was. And that has been like really liberating because when you're not caught at the earliest possible stage and somebody asks you what stage you were, when you were diagnosed, all you do, your, your heart just
1: sinks. Yeah. And so that's been a really positive lesson for me. Success means different things to people at different times in their lives. As you sit here today in front of this audience, and thank you so much for sharing this story, what does success mean to you right now?
2: Well, I know what I get excited about. I've published a lot of books. And when I publish a book, I'm happy and that's great and it's hard work and when I help someone else publish a book I'm ecstatic. I'm so (laughs) psyched and I just realized I love pouring my energy into other people. I just do. I'm really passionate about lifting people up that is super meaningful to me and that's what I'll continue to do. That's wonderful.
1: Thank you. Okay. What a story. Last question. When an obstacle is in your path, Julie Silver, how do you get around it? I often talk to people and say, the only
2: no that I will ever take is the, you're going to get fired if you do this, Julie Silver, so you better not do it. (laughs) And I have never heard that. So there's a lot of ways that no's come. And there's three options. You can lean in, but if you lean in too much, you kind of get beat up a lot. I don't always lean in because that's a pretty rough place to be sometimes you can lean around and up and I've done that a lot with my research where I've hit a barrier and I said huh I'm going to study that and put it in a medical journal and I'll show you that you need to change so I'll (laughs) lean around and up and then sometimes you need to just sit tight and chill out even when you know something's wrong you just got to sit tight and chill
1: out because you can't fight everything all at once. Does anyone have a question for Dr. Silver? We have a couple of minutes for audience questions. Anybody? Here we go. Hi, um, I have a quick question for you about your book. Could you just talk a little
2: bit about, in terms of the rehabilitation part? prehabilitation is really how do you get someone ready for upcoming surgery or cancer treatment and there's different things that you can do similar to sports medicine how do we get somebody ready for a marathon we think about nutrition we try to get them to stop smoking and we do specific exercise and so on so we want people to get stronger right from the time of diagnosis until their first surgery or whatever happens and that's prehabilitation and I've been really really focused on that because the outcomes look very promising The rehabilitation basically comes after you've started to get treatments, you've had surgery and so on. It really depends on the type of treatment you've had. For example, someone with head and neck cancer is going to have very frequently surgery and neck dissection and it's going to cut muscles and different things. And what we see when they have that is many of those people stop driving because they don't have good cervical range of motion. They can't see oncoming traffic. And if they don't drive, then they don't go to work. That changes the whole family dynamics. That changes the income they have, the productivity, their mood, all these things. And we're talking about just increasing cervical range of motion. This is a pretty basic rehabilitation
1: concept, and we could fix that problem. Excellent. Great question. Thank you. We have time for one more question. Hi, Dr. Silver. We are living and working in an environment where people around us are not always ethical, right? And I think women experience different types of challenges around that. I'm just curious about what the source of your resilience is when you're working really hard to be ethical and those around you might not be quite in the same place.
2: I think one of the things to really think about in medicine, the vast majority of people in medicine, including the vast majority of men, are ethical people they're good people they want to do the right thing there are a few people who are not and they do stand out and we definitely have to address that and that's really what that be ethical campaign is about is putting the science and really having them look in the mirror and saying do you see this how can we have more than a third of women in medicine saying that they've been sexually harassed That's not okay. We need to call out issues and step up and really be ethical, and that means everyone. I think medicine is poised to lead the way in being ethical, in addressing disparities, workforce disparities, because we have so many wonderful people across the gender spectrum. And if we all just say we deserve better and our colleagues deserve better and let's get this done, I think we can do it. Let's hear it for Dr. Julie Silver. Thank you
1: for sharing your story today. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for listening to The Story Behind Her Success with Candy O'Terry. This is a series with one goal in mind to shine the spotlight on women doing great things with their lives. We hope these weekly stories will motivate and inspire you. If you'd like to suggest someone for Candy to interview, she'd love to hear about it. Connect with her anytime on Facebook, Twitter, and her website, CandyOterry.com. That's C A N D Y O T E R R Y.com. You'll find all of these links in the show notes. What's your story?